Stick this in your ear. The number one, the number one internet shock radio network. Shock me, shock me, shock me with that deviant behavior. Everybody, it's Bethany Blankley. I'm hosting America's Betrayal. I'm Renegade Talk Radio. And there's so much insanity going on right now, I don't even know where to begin. I think I'm going to start with the goddess of death that was recently displayed on the Empire State Building. And I'm sorry I missed it. There was an article in the New York Times. You can read about it on my website, bethanyblankley.com. What I want to show you or tell you about are these pictures that were part of this elaborate light show. It was four years in the making, and it was two guys who were wanting to raise awareness about wildlife extinction. It's called Projecting Change. And what they did was they beamed through this huge, incredible light show. They beamed onto the south side of the Empire State Building, All of these different images, beautiful images of animals, a white snow leopard, a snake, a frog, fish, I mean, sea creatures. And the idea behind this was that uh, Guy Louis C. Hoyas from the Oceanic Preservation Society really wanted to raise awareness about all of these animals that are facing extinction. And so he partnered with Travis Threlkel from Obscura Digital. And what they did is they got about 40, 20,000 lumen projectors that projected all these images onto the building. And the space of the size of this was huge. It spanned 33 floors. That's how large it was. So you could see it from everywhere. People were taking pictures. It was really quite magnificent. But ironically, the slideshow ends with this picture of a woman's face that actually personifies death, which is really weird. Why would you want to talk about wildlife preservation and then have a picture of a pitch black woman with the headdress on her head and black blood coming out of her tongue? Why would you put that on the Empire State Building? I mean, are they completely stupid? And the image of what they put was is Kali, and it's the Hindu goddess or the devil of death. Now, a lot of people will say, yes, well, she's, she's really the, the goddess of time and order and destruction. But if you read or understand Sanskrit, Kali means she who is black. And I'm talking pitch black, like black asphalt. And it also means she who is death. And there are several traditions about Cali, but I found it incredibly ironic that they posted a pitch black face of a person who represents death in a city where more black babies are being killed than are born. So it's incredibly ironic that they have a goddess of death representing wildlife preservation at the end of this incredible slideshow. What a waste. What a waste of all four years of of talent and time and creativity to focus on animals and the beauty of animals, and you end it with the goddess of death. What a freaking waste. So here you have this pitch black lady with blood coming out of her mouth on the south side of the Empire State Building, and I'm going to tell you what she means and what she represents for the black people 
in New York City. And for everybody who was so upset about Black Lives Matter, I'm going to talk to you about their utter hypocrisy and and what the Black Lives Matter campaign, which was about $33 million, funded largely by George Soros to a number of nonprofit organizations like ACORN and Open Societies Institute that actually funded and paid and bust in all of the rioters into Ferguson and the riots in Baltimore. I mean, people just didn't come out of nowhere and start rioting and burning and looting. All of the news never covered the black churches and the white churches and and the local community of people who were actually helping their neighbors, who these people from people who had been destroying their property and their businesses. And what a shame that $33 million couldn't have been invested to create business and jobs for people in Ferguson rather than creating destruction. But destruction is what is characteristic of death, which is what is characteristic of George Soros, characteristic of the stupid Black Lives Matter campaign, and characteristic of the goddess of death whose black image was portrayed on the Empire State Building. And I'm going to tell you what Callie, she is portrayed as in in images, centuries of folklore, uh, sculptures, all kinds of images. She wears a necklace of heads, literally of skulls of heads, and from her tongue comes blood that pours onto her body. She's usually holding some kind of a weapon. So in one hand, it's a scimitar. Another is a demon's head. Quite literally, she's holding a decapitated head. And another is a spear or a trident. And then another hand might be holding something that could represent a blessing. However, she's always wearing a necklace of skulls. She wears earrings of demon heads. The kicker here... Imagine a piece of rope or twine that a woman would wear around her waist and imagine stringing through that twine or a rope cut off arms below the elbow. So you're threading arms, you're threading the rope through the top part of the arm where the hands are dangling and she wears a skirt made of hands, human hands. Now, some will say that they represent demon hands that she's killed. Again, she has the demon head, and she represents death. Now, where does this come from? Well, first of all, Callie, in all of the legends, Callie was born out of anger. She erupts from somebody's forehead. She's created to battle a demon. I'm quoting, she's a, quote, black goddess who went wild. She ate all the demons she came across, stringing their heads on a chain, which she wore around her neck, and it seemed impossible to calm Callie's bloody attacks. Her blackness symbolizes, quote, eternal darkness that has the potential to both destroy and create. She, in some other legend, she was created to battle the demon that in English represents or is called blood seed. So after she received all of the divine weapons of all of these other Hindu gods, she finds the bloodseed demon and all of his other demons, and she starts to swallow them whole. But after she chops his his head off with a sword and drinks all of his blood. So we're talking about a woman, a black woman personifying death, that's chopping people's heads off and then wearing the heads on a necklace around her neck and a skirt of arms. Ironically, the Empire State Building, 
was portraying exactly what is happening to the black community in New York City today. The dripping of blood on this black woman could not have been a better metaphor for what is happening in New York City today. New York City is the capital in America of death to black of black people. And I'm not talking about police brutality and I'm not talking about gun violence. I am talking about the legal chopping up of baby parts that are now being sold to the highest bidder, which, by the way, is no different than slavery. They're selling black babies that have been aborted in New York City, just as blacks were being sold on the open market during slavery. And Planned Parenthood is doing this legally, and half of their $1 billion budget is being paid for by U.S. taxpayers, by the federal government. And what is happening right now in New York City is exactly what is described of Cali. The bloody attacks appear to be endless. Black genocide is endless. Right now, blacks are the only minority in America whose population is steadily declining. I want to repeat that. Blacks are the only minority in America whose population is steadily declining. And it's not because of police brutality or gun violence or anything else. It is solely due to the fact that black babies are being chopped up while they are still alive. And technically, they're not being chopped up. They're being suctioned off. It's, it's called cuterage and suction. And there's a device that looks like a mini vacuum cleaner. And you stick it up into the woman. You puncture in through the uterus and the placenta. You feel around and you grab a body part. At the end of the hose are these prongs that grab onto a foot or a hand. And it literally grabs on to cut off the body part and suck it down this tube into and collect into a jar. For example, cells from a baby's liver for fetal liver cells. And we're talking about a human fetus, by the way. Whenever anybody wants to say that the woman has the right to choose, to, I always say, choose to do what? Choose to do what? Is she terminating the life of a baby elephant growing inside of her? Is she terminating the life of a baby cat growing inside of her? No. She's killing the life of a baby who has nearly fully developed organs, who can definitely feel pain. There is scientific evidence, numerous evidence, and any mother can tell you this, that babies respond to their mother's voice, they respond to music, they respond to people speaking to it, they respond to someone touching the belly, and they definitely respond to pain. They even move away from, squirm away from, a needle being injected, or the feeling of their limb being ripped off of their body. This is excruciating pain that the Planned Parenthood butchers are causing for black babies. There are more black babies killed than born in New York City. Blacks represent 42% of all abortions, yet black women only represent 13% of the population. But in New York City, the New York City Department of Health, they reported that in 2012... 60% of the abortions were 
black babies. And the reason why I bring this up is that Callie, the black goddess, the death of destruction, the woman carrying decapitated heads around her neck and in her hand, she has blood streaming from her mouth, which is no different from the blood on all of the hands of every single person who works for and performs these butcherings at Planned Parenthood. And for anybody who says, oh, abortions only represent 3%, that's complete nonsense. They represent over 95% of all of the services that Planned Parenthood provides. 95% of their services are abortions. They do not have mammograms. And if you wanted to get an OBGYN visit, a pap smear done, or pre-cancer screening, it's going to cost you several hundred dollars for that kind of exam. So how on earth are they providing those services, those 5% of their services, how on earth are they providing that to the poorest of the poor? Because Planned Parenthood abortion facilities are in black neighborhoods, 79% of them, 79% of Planned Parenthood Abortion facilities are in black neighborhoods, and they are in black neighborhoods for one specific reason. And it all goes back to the early 20th century Negro Project. The Negro Project, again, you can read about it on my website, and this article has run on numerous sites. But I'm going to tell you more about the black goddess of death and how the Empire State Building could not have had a better image to represent the black genocide of what is happening in New York City right now, today. Black babies are being killed in New York City. And the most dangerous place for a black person to live in New York City is in their mother's womb. I gotta take a break. This is Bethany Blankley. You're listening to America's Betrayal on Renegade Talk Radio. It's a it's a pleasure and honor to be in this in this dialogue with you. But I think that a huge part of what you haven't said is that you've offered a recognition that mass incarceration has not worked, mm. and that is an unfortunate consequence of government practices that just didn't work. But the truth is that there's an extremely long history of unfortunate government practices that don't work, that particularly affect black people Mm -hmm. and black families. Mm -hmm. And until we as a country, and then the person who's in the seat that you seek, Mm -hmm. actually addresses the anti-blackness current Mm -hmm. that is America's first drug. We're in a meeting about drugs, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. America's first drug is free black labor mm-hmm. and turning black bodies into profit. Mm-hmm. And the mass incarceration system mirrors <coughs> an awful lot like the prison, the prison plantation system. Mm-hmm. It's the same. It's a similar thread, mm-hmm. right? And until someone takes that message and speaks that truth two white people in this country so that we can actually take on anti-blackness as a founding problem in this country. I don't believe that there's going to be a solution because what the conversations that are happening now and why there's so much so much uh, cohesion across the across the divide, the, the red side and the blue side, is because of money. And we spend a lot of money on prisons. We spend more money on prisons than we are on schools. Right? 
But if we look at it from a lens of let's solve this financial problem, and we don't look at the greater bottom line that African Americans who are Americans are suffering at greater rates than most other people, every other people, for the length of this country, then it's not going to go away. It's just going to morph into something new and evolve. And I, I genuinely want to know, you and your family have been, in no uncertain way, partially responsible for us, more than most. Now, the, there may have been unintended consequences, but now that you understand the consequences, what in your heart has changed that's gonna change the direction of this country? Mm. Like what in you, like not your platform, mm -hmm. not, not what you're supposed to say. Like how do you actually feel that's different than you did before? Like what were the mistakes? And how can those mistakes that you made be lessons for all of America for a moment of reflection on how we treat black people mm -hmm. in this country? Mm -hmm. I, I just well, wanna, I, I, and I apologize, in, in, we have I would really love to allow her to answer yeah, no, these questions. I'm not, I'm not and stopping. we've worked really hard. We've driven we're, so many yeah, hours. We're not stopping. Yeah. I'm just letting you know before he's, we've got a couple more minutes. We still have more people in the overflow that are waiting. So overflow, I'm not interrupting so what you're about to say. I just wanted to sort of mm -hmm. give you guys a heads up, heads up on timing. So, yeah, so we've got limited. Well, obviously, it's a very thoughtful question that deserves a thoughtful answer. And I can only tell you that I feel uh, very committed to and responsible for doing whatever I can. I've spent most of my adult life uh, focused on kids uh, through the Children's Defense Fund and other uh, efforts to try to give kids, particularly poor kids, particularly you know black kids and Hispanic kids, uh, the same chance to live up to their own God-given potential as any other kid. Uh, that's where I've been focused. Um, and. I think that there has to be a reckoning. I agree with that. Uh, but I also think there has to be some uh, positive vision and plan that you can move people toward. I mean, once you say, you know, this country has still not recovered from its original sin, which is true. Once you say that, then the next question by people who are on the sidelines, which is the vast majority of Americans, the next question is, well, so what do you want me to do about it? What am I supposed to do about it? That's what I'm trying to uh, put together in a way that I can explain it and I can sell it. Um, because in politics, if you can't explain it and you can't sell it, it stays on the shelf. And this is now a time, a moment in time, just like the civil rights movement or the women's movement or the gay rights movement or a lot of other movements reached a point in time, the people behind that consciousness raising and advocacy, they had a plan ready to go. So that when you turn to, you know, the women's movement, we want to pass this and we want to pass that and we want to do this, problems are not all taken care of, we know that. Obviously, I know more about the civil rights movement in the old days because I had a lot of involvement in working with people. So they had a plan, this piece of legislation, this court case we're going to make, et cetera, et cetera. Same with the gay rights movement. You know, we're sick of homophobia, we're sick of being discriminated against, we want marriage equality, and we're starting in the states and we're gonna keep going until we get it at the highest court of the land. So all I'm saying is, your analysis is totally fair. It's historically fair, it's psychologically fair, it's economically 
fair. But you're going to have to come together as a movement and say, here's what we want done about it. Because you can get lip service from as many white people as you can pack into Yankee Stadium and a million more like it. We're going to say, oh, we get it, we get it. We're going to be nicer, mm -hmm. OK? Mm -hmm. That's not enough, at least right. in my book. That's not how I see mm -hmm. politics. So the consciousness raising, the advocacy, the passion, the youth of your movement is so critical. But now all I'm suggesting is, even for us sinners, find some common ground on agendas that can make a difference right here and now in people's lives. And that's what I would love to you know, have your thoughts about, uh, because that's what I'm trying to figure out how to do. So yeah, deal with mass incarceration. I don't, it's not just an economic issue, although I grant you some people see it like that. But it's more than that. I think there is a sense like, you know, low-level offenders, disparity in treatment, we got to do something about that. Um, I think that a lot of the issues about housing and about, uh, you know, job opportunities, ban the box, a lot of these things, let's get an agenda that addresses as much of the problem as we can. Because then you can be for something, in addition to getting people to have to admit that they're part of a long history in our country of, you know, either you know, pr pr uh, proposing, supporting, condoning uh, discrimination, uh, segregation, et cetera. Now, what do we do next? And and that's that's what I'm trying to figure out in my campaign. So that's what I'm doing. Stick this in your ear. The number one, the number one internet shock radio network. <laughs> joining me. This is Bethany on Renegade Talk Radio, and I'm talking about the black genocide that nobody wants to talk about in this whole Black Lives Matter campaign, as well as the black goddess of death that was portrayed on the Empire State Building. And I just spent a lot of time talking about all of the characteristics of this Hindu goddess of death with blood coming out of her mouth, skull earrings, skull necklace, skirt of hands, body parts, comparing it to Planned Parenthood and how blacks are the number one victims of this genocide and of the cutting up, chopping up and selling of baby parts in New York City. More black babies are killed in New York City than are born. That is a basic numerical fact. And I want to go back to all of the Planned Parenthood supporters like Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama. And, you know, a couple of years ago, the NAACP was praising the high black abortion rate at a NARAL fundraising gala. Why would you praise a high abortion rate? It's mind-boggling to me. The very people who claim to represent the black community are advocating for a black holocaust. Abortion is the greatest threat to black lives in America today. So if anybody who says that black lives matter really mean it, then they should be advocating for the life of every black person who doesn't have a voice to speak for themselves and to demand justice for their own right to life, their own right to have human rights. 
Under Barack Obama, no such right exists. He believes that until after you are born, and only if you're born at full term, you are not a baby. You are not a person. You are not a life. Underneath the United Nations Convention on Human Rights, therefore, since you are not defined as a person, you don't qualify for human rights under the law. Which is why he's against the Infant Born Alive Act, which is why he has been silent about Planned Parenthood selling body parts, which is why he has been silent about the black genocide. It's incredible. Black lives don't matter to Barack Obama. That's why he's allowed George Soros to create all this divisiveness, divisiveness and division and create false racial hatred and blame it on a confederate flag when in reality blacks and whites especially in the christian community are getting along and they're friends and they're on the same page the most important flag that people should be concerned about in america is the black flag not the confederate flag it's ironic that the very people who say they care about black lives are actually supporting the fact that they think more blacks should be killed. And that just goes back to the whole purpose of the Negro problem. And the Negro problem is what the elitist from Ivy League schools and upper class society identified in America in the early 20th century. Slightly less than 2,000 black babies are aborted every day in America. Since 1973, I want you to think about this. Since 1973, more than 16 million black babies have been killed. Now, think about it right now. Let's say you have 36 million blacks living in America. And out of those, 16 million are missing. You're looking at a 36% loss in that population. So instead of having 36 million, you might have 52 million. You might even have more than that. What people need to understand is that one out of every three black babies born dies and is intentionally murdered. One out of three. One out of three. And the rate, by the way, of breast cancer and other health complications, there is a direct correlation among the women, black women who have had abortions, who by the time of age 50 are having breast cancer. They're nearly five times as more likely to get breast cancer than if they had not had an abortion. So the best thing, in my opinion, is to stop this black genocide. And, you know, as you hear from this clip that I have posted, Hillary Clinton recently met with some Black Lives Matter advocates. And interestingly, uh, they ask her about the carceration rate number of blacks that just exponentially increased under Bill Clinton. The largest crime bill in history, it, it allocated $9.7 billion in prison funding. Yet between 1992 and 2000, the number of prisoners in America increased by 60, by nearly 
percent. And the majority of people in prisons in America today are young black men. $9.7 billion in prison funding resulted in an increase in the amount of prisoners in America by 60%. So tell me, people, how did spending $9.7 billion to quote-unquote fight crime reduce crime? The guy who's asking Hillary Clinton has a great point. But basically what she's saying is, well, the black community needs to figure that out. And the black community needs to figure out what they want out of their Black Lives Matter movement. And I say, whatever your movement is, is completely irrelevant and meaningless if you don't start at the very beginning. No person has any human rights who is dead. A dead person doesn't have human rights. And she talks about incarceration rates and economic costs. All of that is related to the death and constant murder of a specific population in society. It's being proven over and over and over again, specifically even in China, where the one-child policy where forced abortions are occurring. The greater the abortion rate, the greater the crime rate. China has lost one entire generation of girls. They're missing 40 million girls. They're missing the number of girls equal to that of the population of California. And those girls that are missing, there is a void. There is no one for men to have sex with. There is no one for men to marry. There is no one to have a family with. There is no one to procreate with. And those 40 million girls who have been killed deliberately under the one-child policy in China, that correlates directly to crime statistics that have spiked. You can read about it on my website. Do a search on my website related to abortion. I want to talk more about black genocide and the Negro problem. Planned Parenthood began because the founder of the Negro, Negro Project said that colored people are like human weeds and they must be exterminated. I've got to take a quick break. Um, we'll be back. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish up talking about the Negro Project and Margaret Sanger's eugenic plan for black America. This is no joke. And this is what Hillary Clinton and the head of Planned Parenthood and all of those white people saying they want Lamborghinis or financial compensation, even the people at STEM Express, they are all happy to take the money and to profit from the selling of baby parts of black babies because blacks are being killed more than they are born, specifically in New York City. And the goddess Callie, the goddess of death and destruction, could not be a better example of what's going on with black genocide in New York City today. I'll be back. Thanks for joining me. It's Bethany on Renegade Talk Radio. Hey, what's up? Holla at your boy. XOXOXO. You getting these texts? Question mark. Where are you? What are you doing? OMG, you are making me mad. You better text me back. I'm waiting outside your house. Relentless, aggressive texting is like sending an angry robot to deliver your message. When does the robot become dangerous? Let us know at that's not cool.com. That's not cool.com. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Stick this in your ear. Number one, the 
one internet shock radio network. Shock me, shock me, shock me with that deviant behavior. All right, I'm back. It's Bethany hosting America's Betrayal. Thanks so much for joining me. I'm really glad you're listening on Renegade Talk Radio. I want to explain the correlation between Planned Parenthood abortion facilities existing in black neighborhoods. Where did this idea come from? Well, in the early 19th century, there were several people who were major eugenicists. A lot of publications were being uh, distributed, read, discussed at Yale, some others in California. Malthusian eugenics comes from the concept that Thomas Malthus, who uh, was a professor of political economy, uh, argued in the late 1700s to early 1800s. And then Margaret Sanger, uh, who lived in New York City, who lived in Brooklyn and saw all of these immigrant populations exploding, and she had cause for alarm. And she also agreed with Malthus and many others controlling and managing the population on Earth. We, wanna, we want to produce the best genes and the best types of people. And we want to get rid of the worst kinds of people. But yet nobody can really agree on who defines who's the best and who's the worst. Now, Hitler defined it in terms of getting rid of the Jews. Sanger, on the other hand, had her own ideas of who to get rid of. A lot of her ideology comes from the Malthus Magnum Opus. It was an essay on the principle of population. And this is what he said. All children born beyond what would be required to keep up the population to a desired level must necessarily perish. I mean, I wish this wasn't serious because it sounds hilarious. But, I mean, seriously, who's going to write that certain children beyond a designated point should, must perish? Anyway, this is what he says. I'm going to continue the quote. They must perish unless room is made for them by the death of grown person. We should facilitate instead of foolishly and vainly endeavoring to impede the operations of nature in producing this mortality. And what he is saying is that we need to allow for population stability to maintain itself so that New generations are not exceeding the older generations that are dying off. So Margaret Sanger published something called the Birth Control Review in 1917. And it, uh, but throughout this, in the early 1900s, she regularly published articles about eugenics, about uh, racial supremacy, purity, the Aryan race. And by the way, Hitler quotes in Mein Kampf, the social scientists and political researchers who were publishing at Yale, he was quoting Americans in his advocacy of promoting an Aryan race. And in the birth control review, she was talking about a lot of uh, ideas coming about from eugenicists. And also, she created the platform where the foundation for an organization that is that eventually became Planned Parenthood. Now, Planned Parenthood was also promoting and, and producing uh, birth control clinics and literature about quote-unquote rights. But underlying all of this is something that Sanger advocated. And I'm going to give you several quotes about who Margaret Sanger was in the early 1900s. 
from Brooklyn, New York, and this is what she said, quote, organized charity itself is the symptom of a malignant social disease. Those vast, complex, interrelated organizations aiming to control and to diminish the spread of misery and destitution and all the menacing evils that spring out of this sinisterly fertile soil are the surest sign that our civilization has bred, is breeding, and perpetually constantly increasing numbers of defectives, delinquents, and dependents. So charity is a symptom of malignant social disease because we are allowing people to keep breeding and constantly increasing the number of defective, delinquent, dependent people. In, in order to get rid of the, the people who are a scourge on society, all these immigrants coming in that she's observing in Brooklyn, charity, which, by the way, comes from the Latin and it comes from the roots of love and grace and it comes from the Christian concept of giving to the poor and to the needy and taking care of the widow and the orphan because we love our neighbor. Margaret Sanger, who hates her neighbor, is saying that these people who are less than are human waste. And so she says charity encourages the healthier and more normal sections of the world <laughs> I mean, I cannot make this up. This is what she says. Charity encourages the healthier and more normal sections of the world to shoulder the burden of the unthinking, who, as I think the reader must agree, are dead weight of human waste. Instead of decreasing and aiming to eliminate the stocks that are most detrimental to the future of the race and the world, it tends to render them to a menacing degree that is dominant. And so she's saying that charity actually is a detriment because it's allowing less normal and less healthy races to continue to fester in the dead weight of human waste. And this is what she says about modern, quote unquote, benevolence. She says that benevolence encourages the perpetuation of defectives, delinquents and dependents. These are the most dangerous elements in the world community, the most devastating curse on human progress and expression. So what is the result? Well, she says the U.S. government should set a sensible example to the world by offering a bonus or a yearly pension to all obviously unfit parents who allow themselves to be sterilized by harmless and scientific means. In this way, the moron, <laughs> in this way, the moron and the diseased would have no posterity to inherit their unhappy condition. The number of the feeble-minded would decrease, and a heavy burden would be lifted from the shoulders of the fit. I cannot make this up. So she's going to determine. She wants the federal government. She wants the United States government to determine who is fit and unfit to live, the moron, who are the morons, and who are the diseased. Well, a lot of Americans would say they're all in Congress. <laughs> so we should be sterilizing all the morons in Congress. We should be giving them a pension. And the bonus, she's saying, would be the wise and profitable and the salvation of American civilization to get rid of these delinquents, the morons, the dependents, and the defectives. Oh, dear Lord. So she helped create the Welfare Committee in New York City. She wants people to be helped to help themselves, meaning people are not capable of being 
uh, meaningful contributors to society. And so they, she wanted to have a plan or a program to help themselves. And so she thinks that creating a program of public welfare would actually breed a race of thoroughbreds. So then this and her idea that she pros, proposed and by the way this is in the, this is right before the great depression I mean and this is what she's proposing she's saying that the federal government should not only define who are morons who should be sterilized but that the federal government should also establish birth control clinics and bureaus that quote in which men and women will be taught the science of parenthood and the science of breeding And so this is her point. This is the goal of teaching them the science of breeding. Quote, to breed out of the race the scourges of transmissible diseases, mental defect, poverty, lawlessness, crime. Since these classes would be decreasing in number instead of breeding like weeds. Now, the disease that she's referring to, she's not talking about venereal disease. She's not about talking about Lyme's disease. She's not talking about emphysema. She's talking about diseases called insanity, feeble-mindedness, epilepsy, the people who are born subnormal. So anyone who has Down syndrome, anyone who is crippled, anyone who can't actually take care of themselves or earn a living, anyone who could be considered necessary to go in an insane asylum, which, by the way, back then was a lot of women because they were going through PMS and menopausal and all different kinds of hormonal issues that they called hysteria. In fact, the word hysterectomy came from this incredible sexist term that said women who were going through menstrual issues were exemplifying a form of quote-unquote hysteria or insanity. So according to Margaret Sanger, then, we would need to breed out of the race women dealing with menstrual issues. I mean, nothing could be more ironic. Now, I want to get more into the Negro Project and how this laid the groundwork for all of these clinics and black neighborhoods that are promoting and advancing abortion to reduce the black race. Thanks for joining me. You're listening to Bethany. I'm Renegade Talk Radio. Stick this in your ear. The number one, the number one internet shock radio network. Shock me, shock me, shock me with that deviant behavior. All right, if you're still with me, it's Bethany. I'm Renegade Talk Radio, and you know the insanity continues. I cannot make this stuff up. The concept of eugenics, birth control, and all of this, specifically infiltrating the black community, began in 1930s. In the 1930s, with Margaret Sanger, who actually used Dr. W.E. Dubois, who was a sociologist and author and helped found the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People the NAACP. So she uses the NAACP and black civic groups in Harlem, arguing that if they open this clinic during the Great Depression for blacks who are suffering, that they can help alleviate all of the strain that having additional children could put on parents. And so her answer, and everybody else, including liberals, they say one way to answer poverty and degradation is getting rid of the number of poor people in poorer neighborhoods. And how do you do that? The way you do that is through abortion and through quote-unquote family planning. That's where this whole concept of family planning and planned 
Parenthood came from. So there was an organization called the Birth Control Clinic Research Bureau that she established in Harlem. <clears throat> Sanger went to the black community and she said the predicament the predicament that you're in is because you keep having kids and you're in poverty and living in degradation because you keep popping out kids. So the answer to your problem is birth control. And so she used prominent black leaders to implode the masses with this message. She also used black churches and the black clergy. She introduces the church to the concept of birth control and how birth control was necessary to regulate birth in proportion to a family's income. If you cannot afford a child, therefore, you should not have a child. And since blacks can't afford to take care of themselves, why on earth should they be allowed to keep having kids? As any parent knows, if you wait, if you wait long enough until you can afford to have kids, you would never have kids. To, and so this is what ran in the birth control review in Margaret Sanger's birth control review in June of 1932. The title was called The Negro Number. And this is the question. Shall the Negroes go in for quantity or quality in children? Shall they bring children into the world to enrich the undertakers, the physicians, and furnish work for social workers and jailers? Or shall they produce children who are going to be an asset to the group and American society? And the answer to the question is most blacks, especially women, would choose quality if they only knew how. And as a result of quality versus quantity, they introduced the idea of women being able to choose whether or not they could afford to have children. And so this kind of propaganda is what started infiltrating the black community. So you're looking at people who are already suffering during the Great Depression. They're in the lowest income brackets of any industry who are working. Why should you place another burden? Why on earth would you allow or place an additional burden on the working poor by letting them have having more kids? That's the mindset. This is what was integral to the Negro Project. Bringing a black child into a hostile world was considered pathetic. And here's something that Walter Turpinning wrote. He called it God's chillin'. The birth of a colored child, even to parents who can give it adequate support, is pathetic in view of the unchristian and undemocratic treatment likely to be accorded at the hands of predominantly white community. And the denial of choice and propagation to this unfortunate class is nothing less than barbarous. So it is barbaric not to allow a mother to not have a child. Allowing a child to be born is barbaric. Look at how they rephrase the terminology to advance their eugenic agenda. And this is what was happening in the 1930s in New York. And Hitler used the exact same language when he was describing the Jews. And it is continuing today. Now, it's important to understand that the science of breeding and the reproductive practices of black Americans is what was part of that clinical research bureau that Sanger founded in Harlem. 
and it went from the American Birth Control League to the Birth Control Federation of America. And the Birth Control Federation of America later became Planned Parenthood. By the way, the Bushes, the Rockefellers, all of these quote-unquote elitist families were all involved with the Birth Control Federation of America when it became Planned Parenthood. Margaret Sanger cleverly selected a Dr. Gamble of the soap manufacturing company Procter & Gamble to be the regional director for advocacy of birth control among blacks. In, In order to introduce the Birth Control Federation of America into the South, Margaret Sanger wrote... Using ministers to do that would be the best way because she knew blacks were religious. And this is what she wrote, quote, the minister's work is also important and he should be trained perhaps by the Federation as to our ideals and the goal that we hope to reach. We do not want word to go out that we want to exterminate the Negro population. And the minister is the man who can straighten out that idea if it ever occurs to any of their more rebellious members. Use the ministers to propagate the false narrative that we are helping the Negro community when in reality we want to exterminate them. And that is exactly what she did. And she got in contact with all of these quote-unquote progressive black thinkers and, and academics and ministers, and she was writing letters to all of these different commissions and Negro advisory councils, the NAACP, purporting it as better health. No one knew any long-term or short-term side effects. Remember, these were, quote-unquote, experimental clinics. The whole purpose of Planned Parenthood is to eliminate human waste. And the idea that she used Procter & Gamble and ministers to advocate that we're promoting health when, in fact, we're really promoting death. And that is what is so ironic and fitting That the goddess of death should be on the face of the Empire State Building for everybody to see, reflecting the death of blacks in New York City, where it all started. Margaret Sanger started this in Brooklyn and in Harlem, and she got her wish. She got her wish. 79% of Planned Parenthood abortion facilities are in black neighborhoods. So why would it be any surprise that 60% of blacks in New York City are killed by Margaret Sanger's invention of eliminating the human waste? You're listening to Bethany Blankley on Renegade Talk Radio.